My goodness me. Here it is. Predictable. Well choreographed. Perfectly rehearsed. Hello and welcome to this dropped highball of a podcast. In episode 7 of the only podcast dedicated solely to the grassroots women's game, we discuss fundraising, naked calendars, and Lou returns to play, possibly. We meet Starbridge ladies, and Sherry gets another yellow card. This podcast will be like sitting in the clubhouse bar with a pint after a game. We hope you enjoy it. 22 months with a triple knee operation. She runs in, tries for fun. Lou. She has got a remarkable strike rate. And I'm Jodie. The forward who can't stop scoring. I'm Molly. The cannonball coming through. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. Kia ora, Portia Woodman here from the Black Ferns. Just want to give a big shout out to Grassroots Podcast. Cheer- You've got a bit of an injury there. What's going on? Oh, um, I don't know, actually. I think I was in a scrum, another scrum. I think we've had a few today, and then um, somebody fell on me. Shit, there we go. So the strapping on your elbow doesn't look the best, if I'm honest. Well, it's the skinniest part of my body, and someone's giving me a fucking muffin top on my elbow. What part? Yeah, I mean, who does that? I mean, I don't know whether I've pissed off the physio or something, but seriously. How are the bodies, Jody and Dubs? Okay, a few bruises I've noted. I'm feeling okay. Did no climbing today, which is okay. Just sat in the van. I've got lots of bruises, uh, mainly on my legs and on my arms. So, but not too bad. Yeah, definitely feeling the aches, but tomorrow will be the test. How was it? Pretty full on. Really good game, actually. Really enjoyed playing it. It was, there was a lot of scrums as well, which I wasn't really expecting because it wasn't raining or anything. But yeah, it was just like, oh, another scrum. Oh, another scrum. Oh, another scrum. Goody! <laughs> Uh, but to be fair, I thought, yeah, we did we did well on the scrums, I thought. It was just, uh, it was really well matched, I thought. I think they just occasionally managed to break through. From the sideline, like I thought, yeah, like Dub said, it was pretty equally matched in terms of the forward packs and the back line. I don't know where their 15s come from, but she was ridiculous. Very good player. But ultimately, we got beaten by a, a better team and fair play to sale they played really well so um can't wait to have them back at the vagrants when we're going to kick their ass <laughs> you're going to hand them their asses yeah correct bring it on there is no shame in losing to a better team well there is when you're saying it with a mouthful of sweets well, i've yes. got a mouthful of sweets <laughs> i've eaten my sweets oh, you have I put myself on mute so i can eat my sweets and then you spoke <laughs> with your mouthful of sweets no i've eaten them by that point that was the wine you can hear. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's all right. Haribo does not go very well with Rioja. It's not your recommendation of the week. I would say no. If I was on Sassy Kitchen and the dish of the day was a massive bottle of Haribo, I would not be recommending Rioja. You may, know when they have like the may, tasting notes in the back of a bottle of wine? Yeah. Haribo yeah, as well. I'd suggest maybe a light frizzante rosé or something like that. Give but, that a whirl. That is nice. What have I got? Vigino Verdi. Fresh, fruity and pairs perfectly with seafood. Is that a co-op special? No, it's from Sainsbury's. Thank you. My wine doesn't say Echo Falls on it. I don't know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Leaf round milk. (laughs) I had a glass of wine last night after the rugby. I was like, oh, yes. I feel very refined in the bath. With your second tea? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, with my second tea. What did you have for your second tea, Dubs? Uh, well, I was quite lazy, actually. Um, I had, uh, for my birthday, somebody bought me a hamper. And in there, there was some, like, cheese 
crackery biscuit things. So I just ate an entire pack of them, which was very healthy and balanced. That's not a tea, that's a snack. <laughs> Wait, but it was the whole pack. I think that's meant to be for like four or five people. <laughs> Laura, you are a forward. That is true. Your- it's a that's a starter. Did you eat an entire wheel of cheese with it? No, no, there was cheese on it already, so uh, I didn't feel the need to add more cheese. What did you have for your first tea in the clubhouse, might I ask? Uh, it was a very nice lasagna, actually. It was really oh, good. Yeah. And garlic bread. It was oh, tasty. It did a good job. There was a chef chef in the kitchen, wasn't there, with proper chef mics on and everything. Jodie had a vegan one. She had a good idea, actually, about uh, something we could do in the future. Got the undernourished meal, didn't I, according to Sherry? The vegans. Break easily. What's your idea, Joe? Uh, well, COP26. Let's get all eco-friendly. One game a year. Maybe push a bit more. One game a month, maybe. Just go all vegetarian. Cut the meat out from after-game snacks. Just per person team. or per team? For the club. Because it's going to be a bit of a difficult thing to cook so many different meals for different people. If we just have one day. Cheese pasta bake. Nice and veggie. Do you know, if, if we're catering for the men, we'll just tell them there's meat in it, but yeah, there idea. won't be. Yeah, and then, they'll sure. eat, then we know they're going to eat it. That's a good idea. Yeah, those pieces of pasta with bacon. You'll love it. Bit of corn. Bit of cheese. Not cheese. Cheese. I'm not convinced about that. It's totally grim, but yeah. yeah. Pepperoni. Pepperoni. <laughs> And now, we remember our fallen teammates who laid down their mobility and dignity in the noble struggle against the tyranny of skill and athleticism. Rachel Abbott, Handsworth Ladies, Fractured Eye Socket. Millie McDowell, Handsworth Ladies, Broken Hand. Mitch Lawrenson, Crew and Nantwich ladies, bruised right flap. Lisa Pemberton, Eton Manor women, fractured leg. Lauren Hatchy Hatch, Eton Manor women, fractured hand. Ellie Flatley Harris, Swanley ladies, torn ACL and meniscus. Jordan Morris, Crew and Nantwich ladies, poor, hurty back. They shall grow not cold, as we that are left grow cold. Breakdowns shall not weary them, nor the muds condemn. At the going down of the scrum and in the mauling, we will remember them. To our fallen comrades, we salute you. Tell us about your holiday. The bikini came out. We Actually, cool story, maybe not a cool story, but we did some line-up lifting in the pool, which went quite well. However, my beach rugby ball that we were going to take didn't arrive, so me and Laura uh, dipped off to the convenience store, which unfortunately was up about 2,000 steps from the hotel, which didn't go well with no MCL. So, yeah, 
we got a small rugby ball and we practiced and I established I can't throw. But we did some good lifting. Like we, we did really well and we got video evidence and there was no boob slippage from their bikinis. I have two very important questions. They may be the same ones as I'm going to ask, but go ahead. Did I use the condoms? No. No. Did you utilise all six pairs of shoes? That's exactly what I was going to ask. Yes, I absolutely did. So yeah, it was all good. I rotated my trainers that I wore there and after. Uh, on the way back, I wore a different pair. I wore one to the gym. I had my sandals, which I wore when I went out. And then my flip-flops wore to the pool. And then I can't even remember what my other pair was. Another another pair of flip-flops. So, just, yeah. just back up a little bit then, Molly. You just say you went to the gym once on holiday. I did go once. Let Me and Sean went once. I did not go. <laughs> yeah. Laura and Josh sat, drank and ate crisps. And me and Sean went to the gym. That's my um, second question. Did you get what? paprika flavoured Lay's? Yes. I think I think we maybe have. <laughs> How many bags did we have, Laura? Four uh, Well, Well, one day I needed I needed all of the crisps. Uh, I was not well. Magaluf tried to kill us. Magaluf. See, Molly, you told us you're going to Mallorca, so I knew all along. Yeah, right. So one night, <laughs> one night we went out, 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 because Sean was adamant he wanted to go to a karaoke bar. However, said karaoke bar, can't quite remember. And I don't think Dubs can either, can you, Dubs? Um, I just remember waking up the next morning with quite a sore throat from uh, very loud singing, apparently. God help everybody that had to listen to us. <laughs> it must have been bloody awful. What was the song of choice? Uh, remember? No. <laughs> we sang some Elton John. Oh, this is lies, Laura. Lies. No, honestly, to be fair, I did better than Sean, who couldn't even remember leaving the uh, hotel. Yeah, oh, it was God. rough. So we did some Elton John because me and Laura did one out of No Mayo and Juliet because Laura asked me to select a song for us. <laughs> <laughs> and then I selected this absolute banger in my head. And then there was a lot of meatloaf. But the thing is, no one else was in this bar apart from this like group of 55 to 70 year old men who were very, very friendly, but were very good at karaoke. And um. we were not. To be fair, at one point, one of us, who shall not be named, was singing uh, the wrong words. And every time the interlude came on, they were singing. And every time we were supposed to be singing, they stopped. So, yeah, it wasn't the best talent performance by us four, to be honest. Josh refused to sing, though, so that narrows it down a little bit. So, yeah, it was six shoes got used. Well, six pairs of shoes got used. We did some line outs so rugby training and good time for all. I tell you what, though, we've broken a rule of the podcast because, you know, little intro clips, the ones that we've got from pitch side and stuff, one of them this time will be Portia Woodman. So we always said, no pro, no prem. But when you get a clip from Portia Woodman, it's got to go in, really, hasn't it? I saw that picture and my mouth just dropped and I just wanted to go, I wanted to cry. Oh, I, was, I missed that. I saw the picture. I didn't know she got an interview. Good skills. Is she on your pass list, Jodie? Yes, she is. She's like my top one. Because we went to Ireland, didn't we, when the World Cup was there. I was like, I can do it. I can do it. I can do this. It might happen. So I know Portia's a big fan of the show. Listening now, Portia. If you have a back around the crew, Nantwich area, hit me up. Stay clear of Jodie. Whilst I'm scouting, if we're going for the Red Roses, Shauna Brown, if you want to hit me up as well. Keep all bases covered. She's on the list as well, right? Yeah. How long is this? Is this list about 30,000 people? No, no. How many are allowed each? Three billion. <laughs> um, <laughs> five, isn't it? Five, that's usually the list. Five that you're allowed. Is it? Yeah, that you've got a pass for. 
Well, who's on your list, Molly? Owen Farrell, when he's not got COVID. Who's, who's on your list, Matt? Who's on my list? Owen Farrell. Not Owen Farrell. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Does he have to be rugby? He's not rugby related, presumably, just random. Yeah. Kelly Brook. That's a bit stereotypical. That's standard, that, that is. is standard. She's banging, though. She's Fair banging. play. Although, I don't think there's any pictures of her, like, in the last five years, so good luck with that. Anything could have happened. Matt, can you tell us about the um, Fat Dads game? Well, here's the thing. So, oh, here we go. Hang on, I feel some excuses coming. Well, no, there I was. Got up in the morning, did a few lunges, a few one-arm press-ups, a few um, sprints up and down the garden. Did a few thirty kg dumbbells. I had a nice protein shake and a high fiber breakfast. Waiting for the call, waiting for all the information, and it turns out that I was surplus to requirements. So, oh no! The second team game was cancelled that day, which. Ended up meaning that the the fifteen fat dads that were all primed and ready to go were no longer needed, as the squad was flooded with thirty odd players that were looking for a game. So, sadly, I had to put my boots back cupboard and I wait for the next call up. Well, I thought it's because you couldn't find your jock strap. I thought it was because you got up too late, had a fry up, and couldn't be asked. None of that's true. <laughs> Top athlete here, Matt Batty. I'm not going to lie, right? I wasn't that keen on it because. I'd forgotten about the game. I hadn't really done any exercise. It also wasn't a great day because it was my daughter's birthday. So I had to like cook a massive family meal that evening. So yeah, not seeing my name on my team sheet. Whilst a single tear did fall from my eyes, I wasn't that bothered. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the excuses. Next time. Next time we're just going to volunteer you and make sure you're on the team sheet. Kidnap you. Take you to the club. And buy you a new jock strap. <laughs> I've been volunteered for too many things at that club without my permission or knowledge. So, Jodie, you're running for chair this year. Did you know that, by the way? Am I? What's that involve? We need Jodie to run for chair next year so we can activate some much needed change in the executive committee. Uh, things would change, I'll tell you that now, but I don't think it'd be good change. <laughs> This is Darren from Starbridge Ladies. He's joined us on the podcast today to talk about the experience he's had of setting up a, a ladies team down in Starbridge. So welcome to the podcast, Darren. Looking forward to hearing all about your story. Oh yeah, thanks for the invite. Darren, straight off the bat, I guess, uh, tell me a little bit about Starbridge as a club. Okay, so um, uh, Starbridge is a, a relatively uh, large club with several male teams and had a, a ladies team going back eight, ten years before I joined the club. We have uh, a first 15. We have uh, the Starbridge Lions, which is a very weird setup. It's a club within a club. And then we have the Greyhounds and then the most fantastic rugby team in the world, uh, the Grasshoppers, that uh, many of the coaches for the um, Starbridge ladies play for. And then obviously a whole minis and juniors section. And around something like eight, ten years ago, they had a ladies team that disbanded and then kind of nothing has been sort of done around ladies rugby since then. But myself and Gwaine, who's the, the head coach, um, we both had daughters that were 17 and um, had been playing rugby for quite a few years and were concerned about that, you know, from a sport, health, social kind of aspect that um, where were they going to go once they reached 18 and they could no longer play as part of uh, the girls section. 
So uh, as we both play rugby um, and we coach them as, as young girls, we thought about starting up a ladies section. So there was progression for our daughters and others, because I guess, you know, it happens all over the country, different clubs that if there isn't a ladies section, a club has um, girls, you know, one or two things happen. So they either go to another club, which has a ladies team, um, or they just give up rugby. And that was something that we as parents, we were keen that that didn't happen for our girls. So selfishly that's kind of where the the seed started to to set up a, a ladies team from scratch well there more than a couple of uh, 17 year olds at that point you know was it very much a, a team without a home or were you having to build it even from that point within the the under 18s section there were only i think from memory three that would have been able to do age grade rugby so you know be signed up and to play adult rugby because of their capability size etc but two years behind them there was a whole wave that was the biggest kind of age group of either girl section with kind of like around the 16 year olds we knew it wasn't going to go just start straight away we didn't know how long it would take us to build a ladies team but we had to kind of start sharpish in order to have something ready in 12 months time for the daughters to, to go into in future years for the other kind of mass of the girls to, to step up into uh, senior rugby. The club had had one attempt before, about 12 months before, and it absolutely fell on its arse. We didn't have enough coaching staff, so we were trying to coach girls and women at the same time. Because of coaching numbers, we had to kind of group the older girls with the women. Big failure with that is you've got grown-ass women that have got physical size but may not have great fitness or understanding of the game. Yeah. But if you're a 16-year-old girl, even in just touch rugby, it's intimidating for that person that's getting off double your body weight, running it hard at you, even if it's in touch. And vice versa, the women just felt inadequate because their fitness levels and speed weren't the same as the the young sprightly wingers. And numbers-wise, it was quite poor. It just didn't work. It was just nothing connected. And as a club, we didn't get behind it. You know, nobody really got behind it. In terms of Starbridge itself, it's not an area I know particularly well. I mean, what's the catchment area like there for attracting players into it? For ladies rugby, the problem is there are a lot of clubs with low numbers in a small area. We're all scratching after the same candidates. You know, the interest in in ladies rugby is not massive. So we've got... uh, Dudley Kings Winford have got a ladies team and had for quite a while. I believe they're in National Challenge 1. So they've been quite established for a number of years. They've got old Helsonians are close to us. Um, and when I say close, I mean like DK is literally a mile and a half, two miles from, from Stourbridge. Old Hales is about another four miles away. This year, they just started on making a, a contact team. And I believe that in the new year, they could be ready to start playing a few friendly uh, fixtures from ability and, and numbers wise. Ridge North is a bit further away. They have um, a first team and have just started this season, a development team. It's a common story that when people start up, that the first 12 months or so are make or break, really. What was your experience of trying to grow it at that point? For us, when we started it the second time, the big difference was we'd labelled it as a, as a rugby fit group. So it was about fitness around rugby skills um, and touch rugby. There was no contact whatsoever because one of the sort of things we learned about the first time we tried it and failed was that people were very much led by what they thought the stereotypical kind of ladies rugby was going to be. And kind of, that's not what we were looking at. We were looking at, let's just get people into the club. Once they're into the club, they've got some boots on and, and they're on the pitch then we can see what happens naturally. And also, we all know it, that when you're new to rugby, you've got people that 
just turn up and, and it's for a bit of fitness and fun and the social afterwards. But we've got other people that just want to go out there and want to smash into people and want to be smashed. But until you've got the ball in your hand and until you're doing it, you don't know which one of those people you are if you've, if you've never played before. And it was quite obvious within probably about four sessions the season that was 2018-19 that we potentially could get a contact team out of this. It's what we hoped for because, as I said before, me and Gwaine, when we started this up, it was to create a team for our daughters to be able to come up from girls' rugby. We started the training in September 2018. And for that first season, it was just rugby skills, fitness around rugby drills and touch games uh, at the end by the february we had already arranged some fixtures with some local teams that were kind of similar to us it's just that the number of ladies that were coming kept on growing and growing yes about half of them just wanted to do touch and fitness but the other half had got the bug we used social media massively especially facebook to try and recruit ladies now that team at that point, when we were coming towards the end of that first season, the following season, we were going to enter them into the inner warrior, but then COVID hit. So then through last season, we trained every week we could, and we had like 36, 38 ladies every single week. And it wasn't still about a half and half split between those that wanted to play in a league and play contact and those that just wanted to train. That's a big increase in a period of time where the opposites happen for some teams. What do you put that down to? I think people had a lot of time in their hands. These people that weren't at work, it gave them an opportunity to go out and exercise legitimately. And it was just an opportunity, I think, for a lot of people to get out of the house. And I think a lot of people spent more time in lockdown on screen time, social media, etc., than they would ordinarily. So advertising hit more people. It just felt like a natural growth with time. The headache that caused us is that our coaching levels didn't increase that much. So we were having to spread ourselves thinner. Then we had great feedback by some of the touch slash fitness ladies that it was difficult for them, not so much training with the contact ladies, but when it came to end of session conditioned games and that, they were just intimidated because they knew that some of the other team members were used to full contact, thought that they might forget you know, when they were running with the ball. We'd also got people that had played rugby before at university or they hadn't played for quite a few years. It's important to, to acknowledge that, and this is a big frustration, that nothing grows a squad more like a good-sized squad. If you turn up as a new player to a freezing wet Thursday night and there's eight players, coach who's quite chummy with the, the eight players that are there, it's quite hard to see that as somewhere where you're actually going to gain anything medium to longer term, isn't it? Whereas if you turn up and there's 25, 30 players, first of all, you can hide in plain sight so you can ease yourself in gently. The variety of the training is going to be different when there's a bigger group. And it feels like it's a real thing, doesn't it? Another large kind of big turning point for us regarding numbers and that was at Stalbridge, we're really fortunate that we've got a 4G AGP pitch, which at the risk of sounding sexist, but we really pushed for the club at the beginning that we could use that for training because we thought that it would be more inviting to a lady that never played rugby before, didn't want to get absolutely soaking wet and covered in mud until they understood rugby and enjoyed that part of it. And a pristine AGP pitch would have seemed so kind of inviting, we thought, to, to novices. The other thing that we did differently, but we did an Inner Warriors series. And what we did that was quite new then 
was to do these four sessions back to back on Fridays rather than split them over a period of months. Because one, we had the availability of the AGP then, and this was on a, a Friday night. But we also thought that it would help with continuity. And that was really good. And we had fantastic numbers for those inner warriors. And again, we recruited some more players from that because then we had the backing of the RFU advertising it, you know, that these events were on. And obviously everyone loves a bit of stash when there's some t-shirts and hats and stuff. That really, really worked well for us. I'm pretty sure that was kind of um, the catalyst to some people coming from other clubs because it saw that we, as, as a whole club, really getting behind it. Then things changed a little bit since we've come out of lockdown in this season. We seem to have lost the majority of the fit touch rugby ladies. There are just kind of literally a handful of those now, but we still have, if everyone turned up um, on the training night, I guess there's probably about 27 contact ladies but because of jobs and childcare and you know and family life and that it kind of arranges about 22 25 each week and then a handful of the non-contact ladies i'd wager and you know this is controversial but i'd wager that apart from the very big clubs that would be equal to if not better than the majority of men's clubs training on tuesdays and thursdays the feedback i've had from a number of clubs in the areas that women's training numbers are actually as good as, if not better than men, against smaller squad numbers, which is brilliant, I think. As a male coach then, you've obviously got some experience of, of having a daughter playing rugby. What would you say were the biggest challenges you've had in translating what's likely to have been decades of rugby knowledge into a new squad? Uh, the risk of sounding like some kind of perv, it's not touching the ladies. <laughs> because when it comes to line outs and scrums, and especially when you've got ladies that you know, haven't played competitive rugby before, it's just naturally you just kind of <laughs> shove someone out of the way and grab a bit of a body and to show where their body position should be or where their hands would be. And you can imagine second row, you know, trying to show a second row where to bind onto a prop and that. It's you constantly having to stop and then it's really awkward because you're then trying to a lot of the time well I can't now because my daughter's gone away to, to university but Gwen the head coach his daughter still plays so Gwen will have to grab Phoebe and say right do this do that and show it on everyone else even though there are some a couple of ladies that say it's fine I don't mind just do it but it just feels awkward and <laughs> visions of someone videoing it and showing it to your wife why are you holding it <laughs> like that um you know like well yeah in the line that you need to get your thumbs up under the ass cheek although it's funny it is a problem because it's like training third hand so you're having to ask another lady to come over that is experienced and you talk through it and get them to and you, you're trying to use them as your body you know to hold it that's quite difficult um simple things about Pre-match, we had our first friendly two Sundays ago against Kidderminster, and it wasn't until, I don't know, half an hour before the game, as a coach, we thought, Shit, how are we going to do a team talk? We can't go into the change room because we don't even know if they're decent, you know, and they were covered up for us to go in, and there isn't anybody that we can send in because all the ladies are in there to ask if they are. So it's think on the hoof, we're kind of having to think, oh, it's not ideal. You know, we'd like to have a pre-match talk away from everyone else in a changing room. Also, it helps build the atmosphere and stuff because you're enclosed in, indoors in a tight space and the noise and that. Things like taping up and stuff like that, that feels awkward. It's not so bad if it's a, you know, a leg or an ankle, but obviously shoulders and, and you know, stuff like that. So we are, you know, I mean, at the moment, we're really trying to drive to find support staff that are female because now we're playing competitive and we're, we're in National Challenge 3. We need some support that's female 
I, I think it will come. It's just that we haven't we haven't asked for it because we didn't realise we needed it. You're absolutely right. I think all male coaches face the same anxieties. I think I go as far as to say that I think possibly there are times where we overdo it. We're almost too anxious about things that are neither you know creepy or inappropriate, and that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that we put our boundaries a long way away from where the boundary probably is. Then, as you become more familiar with the squad, players become more familiar with with you that boundary can move or even better as you say they become proficient at doing it themselves i probably have found that that the physical parts of it okay we joked in the last podcast actually that i was on the receiving end of some extremely painful and inappropriate contact by a player when holding a tackle bag at one point but i think that the language we use is probably even more of a risk sometimes what's your experience been of that language yeah i'm not sure if you're talking about as in uh, bad language or about rugby language both as in appropriate language but also rugby language i think as coaches we're overconscious about it because we're male and we're female and it's a new team and we you know even the, the most long-standing player you know we've only known them for two years seeing them on you know, a monday night training i think as we've been together longer and as we train more and also the, the social aspect of things you get to know people more and you know actually you know that person i still have to stay at two but that person i can go to 122 on the scale because you know they're more relaxed around us and, and and some things just happen without you realizing not monday just gone the monday before um we had the ladies practicing on the scrummage machine and one of our props is an absolute monster a technique was absolutely fantastic through the session and, and the, like the last scrum it was just instinctive as she got up i smacked her ass and you know congratulated her on it probably a month before that i would have probably thought oh my god and after taking the side and say i really apologize about that I, it was just i didn't mean anything by it etc Whereas now, I still apologise. I'm oh, sorry. I just I didn't think about it. She was fine. Absolutely, she was laughing, and so we were teammates. And that I think we are becoming more ourselves and not a version of ourselves around the ladies when it comes to kind of language now the language that we do kind of still have a problem with is rugby terminology with with the less experienced ladies because we just say something like just pop it up. Everyone in the rugby would would know what you mean by pop it up or let's go another phase now if you break it down some of these novices understand what you mean by that but just in another phase they don't know so we were actually um planning a classroom section bit of video you know some flip charts a breakdown of the positions and so everyone kind of understands because i think just because they've been playing rugby for a while it doesn't mean that they understand everything um, and we've got pockets of people that do and and some of them understand it better than, than the coaches because they've played previously at a much higher level than us but it is something that it's sort of come up a few times and we suggested it and that there was a, a massive appetite for that. I think going back to the language and the communication with players and so on. Growth in women's rugby is relatively new. I've been involved with it now for four or five years. I think it's really important that as we bring new coaches into the game, particularly if they're male, actually, and if they're female, to be fair, because I think some female players have been playing since they were kids and so on. I think it's really important that we, as experienced senior players, take that role of mentor with other coaches, informally or formally, to talk about these aspects that you don't know in any level two coaching is absolutely no doubt in my mind that some of the more difficult experiences I've had as a coach have come from perhaps being a bit too direct with a player, perhaps using language that's confusing, perhaps not considering the inter-team relationships that are happening within a particular squad. And those slip-ups, if you like, have had 
more serious ramifications than coaching them something badly. For Stourbridge Panthers, the real benefit we've got with our coaches is that um, we've got three and a half coaches. Um, there's three of us that are there every week and one that can't make it every single week, but none of us have the same style. There's there's no repetition of style. So we've got Gwaine, I would say, that leads it from a technical training point and yeah, has a clear vision set for each training session about what we're going to do and what we need to achieve from it. We've got Aaron, who's like the fitness guru. He's an absolute bastard. You know, we kind of sometimes have to control him because he would just beast them. Triathlons are like, you know, his thing outside of rugby. And I think he has in his mind that everyone else should be a, a professional triathlon athlete the same. Rugby is for every shape and size. Yeah. Um, and your front row are not going to be as athletic and at the same speed as the backs. And then we've got myself, and I would say that probably what I would bring is, is a bit more lightheartedness to the sessions. And also, I'm one of the probably only ones of the squad that knows the names of every single player, because I think it's important to get to know the people and to you know bond with them and help them bond with each other. And then we've got Rhino that helps us out as well. Rhino is kind of a bit of a mixture of, of everybody. The ladies, they'll all have kind of someone that they'll have their go-to because of their natural personality and how it matches the other people. But the biggest thing for us is to make sure that everything is fun because if it's not fun, we'll lose the numbers. They'll lose interest. Like many ladies teams, it kind of will fall apart. And between all the coaches, we're very focused on ensuring that the, the club as a whole respects the ladies rugby it gets behind it and make sure that we don't fall into the traps that other clubs do about the ladies being treated differently if they pay the same match subs they get everything same quality you have hot food after the game they get the same allocation of the the agp we're fortunate because of the layout of our changing rooms the main changing rooms are all communal showers and the, you can just walk straight off and walk in and, and see naked bodies whereas the first teams at home and away changing rooms are separate to everything else they're self-contained they're much nicer and more modern so the ladies get to use home and away teams get to use those all the time because it's just dead simple there's one door in and out no one can come in from any other side so yeah that, that's a, a real benefit uh, we were really fortunate as well that the club helped us with canterbury canterbury gifted the ladies a brand new full strip that the ladies got to design themselves so that was shorts, socks, um, and shirts, and they look really good. And it's a ladies' cut. That's massively important. Huge. I've always been around that with girls and ladies. I just think, well, why should they wear a men's kit that doesn't, even if they've got a size that's around their size, it still hangs off them because of the shape and stuff. And, and also in competitive rugby, it's giving the team an advantage. You know, you've plenty to grab hold of in tackles and scrums, etc. The ladies' kit, the design they come up with was absolutely fantastic. You know, it incorporates the club colours, but when you see it, just it looks feminine without being kind of. Um... I'm glad it's starting to happen. There are a few manufacturers starting to do it now because originally it seemed like every time anyone talks about women's sport, it was the old joke was just pink it and shrink it without any consideration for the different shapes and sizes that, that women come in. And also how important it is to feel comfortable when you're doing sport. And that's not just a psychological thing, it's also a physical thing. If your shirt's riding up, if it's too tight in certain parts of your body or too loose in others, it's going to disrupt your ability to enjoy the game and that's yet another barrier that is very simple to overcome in most situations isn't it so looking at the next season then what are your aims as a team the next season it, we're not quite sure i mean we took a, a leap of faith between last season and this season so last season we would have been in what is now in a warrior but because through last season's training that we recruited some more players that have played before we really thought you know what this season if we went into in a warrior 
we could be that team that everyone slates because we're going around dicking everyone because everyone else has got a squad predominantly made up of novices and we've got a 50-50 split. So then it was the decision was, well, do we go to National Challenge 3, which is the next one up? But then are we doing ourselves, the ladies, a disservice that we're putting them into a league where they're going to end up getting hammered every single week. And because there's been no rugby played for so long, there was no benchmark. Well, we've seen that team play or, you know, we've played a friendly with that team and they beat that one. So it was a real kind of, right, let's go with our gut feeling, which was we felt that National Challenge 3 would be appropriate for our ladies. We had a friendly two weeks ago against Kinderminster ladies. Now, we thought that it would be a reasonably fairly matched game and we generally thought that because we wouldn't take in the fixture if we thought that it was going to be otherwise um, and to be honest the coaches going into it we were a little bit concerned that our certainly our front five were, were quite physically small and might get dominated but it, we were just so far from the mark it was untrue at half time we kind of abandoned the game because Kidderminster were, were losing players all over and it was already at 53-5 I think so um, we just stopped swap the players around um, and then played like a bar bars game with half Savage, half Kidderminster in each team because we don't want to be that team because there hasn't been so much rugby because of COVID and everything. We had no idea. We were concerned that we were going to get hammered and actually it was you know completely the other way around. Hopefully with the league, it will be a little fairer. Yeah, we're looking forward to We've got, I think, our first Friday night nights game is on the October the 29th at home at Stourbridge. Donna, this sounds like you've really had a great journey over the last couple of years and that Starbridge are, are in really good shape so you know really best of luck for the for the upcoming season it, it sounds like with a with the following wins you're going to have a competitive series of matches and, and hopefully that'll give the players the experience and the confidence they need to stick with it so topic of tonight's episode is fundraising so the reason I thought of this was because I've seen quite a few posts recently from various people looking at trying to raise money. People are doing sponsored this, sponsored that, asking for advice and feedback. And a team that we know fairly well, the Carlisle Cougars up in Cumbria, have just put out a naked calendar that has made the Daily Mail, unsurprisingly, and it's been circulating on social media. So it got me thinking, right, A, naked calendar, is that appropriate? Secondly, what's the best way to raise money for your team? Right, well, I can tell you for first off, there is no way I am getting my kit off for having photos taken, even with or without a rugby ball, for it to be distributed locally. Absolutely not a hope in hell. What if I paid you £100 for personal pics? Absolutely not. I'd rather be poor. Well, Lou, that's not what your OnlyFans page was saying, <laughs> is it? <good? laughs> oh, so was I not meant to tell anybody? Elected clientele. So we've obviously been in the, in the past done some fundraisers. Some have been successful, some haven't. You know, if a team's out there looking to try and raise some money to buy some kit, what ideas have you come across at work and what would you steer away from? I think it's good to find a sponsor and a sponsor solely for your women's team who are going to buy you a kit to have their logo on it. And it's not generating money, but it's getting resources that you need. And you can choose what you want and you can, you know, liaise with them and get their logo on it. Publicity for them, include them in various things as the season goes on and you get a nice new kit out of it. I'm for anything that enables us to remain fully clothed. <laughs> um, 
it's interesting because I, I you know look i admire the cougars for doing that i think it must take a lot of guts it's probably a, a right hoop doing it as well i know the men's section did it at our club about 10 years probably now yeah it was, <laughs> it, it was a it was an unpleasant sight it has to be said but fair play yes, 10 years later it still was absolutely yeah loads of people got involved in the the people that should take clothes off and the people that really shouldn't and uh it was well received and they made a lot of money from it but i don't know my view is it's a little bit old hat and also is it the best representation of the game i guess i don't know what are your thoughts it's a bit women's institute isn't it calendar girls if they've generated some decent cash they've obviously got themselves some decent promotion from it good on them if that's what they want to do it's very grassroots isn't it <laughs> i think that's it i think it's what people feel comfortable doing other people do like really physical challenges, which actually probably might be quite good for rugby because obviously if everybody's getting involved in a physical challenge, you're getting fitter as you're doing it. But I suppose it's what people are willing to pay for. So it might be like merchandise maybe. I think Lou's idea is the sponsorship of things is pretty good because that's kind of what we need. Yeah, it's involving people in the local community as well, isn't it? I think it's ironic though how I'm open to doing a naked calendar. Yeah, I won't go naked in the shower. Yeah, Lou, you'll go naked in the shower, but not do a naked calendar. Yeah, because no one's taking a picture of me naked in the shower and then bloody selling it round crew in Nantwich, are they? Have you been in the shower with Jodie recently? She apparently lost the dictaphone, so now she's in a phone. Is that with your soap on a rope as well? <laughs> oh, I hate to bring that. I don't know. I always find it quite difficult to... Not that I don't want to do a naked calendar, but one, I'd have to get a severe severe fake tan because otherwise i'd just blend in with the clouds i just think sometimes the man's team did a naked calendar i'm not sure anyone would batter an eyelid but as soon as a women's team do a naked calendar it for some reason sparks all this kind of uproar uh and i don't know why but it's quite hard to raise money for a for a rugby team you know some teams do crowdfunders or go fund me pages and ask for money just quite blatantly saying we need money for this and that can work. There's only so many raffles, tombolas and buckets you can go around with and say, please give us our, your spare cash. Um, one thing we did, I don't know if you remember, Matt, remember those little pigs, the money boxes? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, they were good. So basically, I can't remember what the charity was, but they were little red see-through pig it money boxes. It was just for the club, it was raising money for the club. Put your change in the... In the- yeah, throughout the season, we got everyone to fill it up with their spare coins. And I think we raised quite a lot of money by the end of the season with that. That was quite good. Yeah, I filled it. But then I thought, actually, there's quite a lot of money in there. I might keep it myself. <laughs> Charity starts at home. Yeah. The little and often thing is probably the way forward. The challenge you get is that people ask for money so much. and People do these various different causes so often that people become a bit not bored with it but they just scroll on through they don't really take that much notice of it you know at our club the raffle for a bottle of whiskey on a saturday afternoon after a match pulls in a lot of money every single week therein lies the difference isn't it though matt because in front of someone face to face and say come on there's these prizes you can spare a quid can't you enter the raffle come on get your cash out people are more inclined to say oh go on then here and, you know, an extra quid here, cash on the day, doesn't make so much difference if it's online. I know most people are way more inclined to just scroll on past, for yeah. sure. But I think with the Naked Calendar has its place, but I think it's the positioning, isn't it? It's a good way of doing something a bit different. It's a real challenge for the team to, to get involved in it and so on. My view is that doing it as a sort of cheeky, isn't this funny kind of thing is great, but maybe it could be reframed as a 
body positivity thing, for example. Like, I remember seeing a really good thing in one of the newspapers a few years ago where they had sports people from different disciplines who were basically in their, in their underwear or something. And it was really interesting looking at the different body types and the different shapes that sports people came in. And it was very deliberately not trying to be sexy or funny or silly. It was like, this is what an athlete looks like. It was quite a powerful way of representing the human body, I guess. And I think that might be a way of packaging up a women's rugby team, maybe in a bit more of a modern way, perhaps. Yeah, I think the the body positivity thing is a is a really good way of packaging it. I think the the problem is is that as Molly said, you know, if all of a sudden it suddenly becomes the Daily Mail are trying to say, "Oh, can we do a, a piece on you?" I'm like, no, bugger off. <laughs> I think you've got to have a thick skin to be able to deal with the you know like online comments and stuff like that. I just think, oh, sometimes social media is a bit of a not a nice place to, to have like a little sounding board of people. I do agree. It'd be great to see it from a body positivity perspective. I think that's interesting about having a thick skin because within the rugby community, people would respect it and, and be all, all in with it, I guess. But it's when it comes outside of the, the, the rugby community and those sorts of comments probably would come in that people might find themselves victims to some some stuff that they wouldn't otherwise expect. Social media as well, because it's so widespread, like Laura said, when you put something out there, it's out there, you can't get it back. You're tagged yeah. in it as a team. And actually you get all these keyboard warriors that have got nothing better to do, but basically slag whatever it is off. And that's whether it's people saying stuff, pictures, calendars, it could be anything. It could be nothing in particular. And they take a negative view and feel that they can voice those opinions quite openly. Well, actually, it'd be quite interesting to know from Carlisle if they have had anything like that. Definitely. Number one thing for me is if you're brave enough to do it, good on you. You know, I, I personally was asked back in the day to be involved in the men's one and I absolutely said no. And there were people in the pitches that were certainly, I guess, not in the shape I was back then. And that's saying something. So, you know, good on them for doing it. Well, fair play to Carlisle because it's absolutely bloody freezing. So their nips must have been <laughs> rock hard. Isn't it always freezing in Carlisle? Yeah, that's true. When we've played there, it's never been sunny, nice. It's always been very, very windy and nippy. And so we call it bitter. Yeah, grim. So fair play, Carlisle, for getting your nips out in the cold. It must be a nightmare taking pictures as well because trying to get like the angles perfect so that you've got the right bits covered up with whatever it is you're using. That's uh, I must take a hell of a lot of planning and preparation. So, yeah, imagine. Sorry, can you just move your nipple to the right a little bit and um, get the cheek in a little bit more and just you know hold your breath for ten seconds while we take this shot? But yeah, quite difficult. I'd be like, sorry, can we just get the extra large scrimmaging pads, please? <laughs> extra coverage required. Thank you. So we've established the rugby pod will not be doing a naked calendar for 2022, everybody. I'm going to say, let's put it on the rugby WhatsApp, see what people say. Oh, <laughs> good <that's> Lord. Not... <laughs> <laughs> it's just to see how many out of the squad would be up for it, because I'm sure some would be like, yeah, yeah, I'm game. Well, it's a no from me, thanks. Yeah. I'd be up for it, but I'd be really picky on who I was standing next to. What does it matter? Because if they've got a better bum than me. Ah. But you want like a ball in front of it to hide it. Oh, Jodie, now you've got to be really careful. Because if you were like, oh, yeah, Dobbs, I'll come with you. I'd be like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. Right, let's move on, Matt. What's next? We've had enough of nips. 
please allow me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I, the rock, I, the river, I, the tree, I am yours. Your passages have been paid. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. The Greeks had Socrates, Romans had Cicero, the French Descartes, and this is the Shakespeare of grassroots women's rugby. This is where legends are made. Shez says. I don't even know how We owe you an apology, Sherry, because on the last podcast we were joking that it might be a while before you win Player of the Match, and then the last time you played, you won Player of the Match. Yeah, absolutely. Eat your words, Batty, eat your words. Turns Although out I you do did, know what I'm on about. But you didn't get to down a point in front of everybody, which, you know, yeah. done a lot of talking about how good your point dining is. Yeah, it was the Liverpool-Man United derby that day, and I was shooting straight home to watch Liverpool win, obviously. 5-0, if I remember rightly. I didn't know I was playing at the match at the time. If I'd have known, I would have stayed and had the pint. Are you playing in the next home game? Uh, yeah, I will be. Probably don't even know when the fixture is yet, because I've got so much going on, I've not even looked. Well, I think we're going to make you a nice pint of Gravy. vodka, soda and barocca. Maybe with a gravy chaser. I think we might need, need to make to, sure to I'm, I'm not driving that day. You can walk home from the club from your house, can't you? It depends how much vodka's in it. Will I be able to walk? So driving might be a safer <laughs> option. I didn't know about the player of the game until Katie told me on the WhatsApp group. I was like, oh my God, I don't believe it. You know I never miss a pint. I didn't know anything about it. Shot straight off. And then there you go. So that's good. I didn't expect that. That's good. Must have been the yellow card that got me that. What did you get a yellow card for? I'm not entirely sure. I don't even think the ref knows. He just decided it was time to get the card out and I was the closest person to him. Well, I thought there was an improvement in the the last game from the perspective that we only got three yellow cards rather than seven. Yeah, unfortunately, one of them was mine. I did what we're coached to do. We are coached to rook hard, rook low. Did that, cleared out, took three people out. Unfortunately, my feet left the ground. Apparently, that is not okay. Again, I think, Sherry... It was harsh. You know, rucking out hard and fast is one thing, but <laughs> taking a running, flying leap from about <laughs> a metre away from the ruck situation and it diving like some kind of... It did all go a bit Tom Daly. It was a bit like <laughs> going to SeaWorld and watching the orcas jumping out of the pool. We went straight through the ruck, took about four players out with you, and then all I could see was a pair of boots. You can't see a plus in that. Four players gone at once. That is good. No, it's four players gone at once, then one player missing from our team for the next 10 minutes. Yeah, well, that's because he's, you know, gets a bit excitable. To be fair, I thought it was a little bit harsh, and I would say that it's probably a team yellow. So you could say, sorry, not for the first time, I may add, you were taking I took one, one for the team. For the team. Again. Again. Who already got a yellow at the theatre that week? I was one yellow down. So I got one on the Thursday, one on the Sunday. It's a record. Unbelievable. Well, as long as you're keeping away from the red cards, that's the main thing, Sherry. I, I think. got a sitting yellow, and I got a diving yellow. <laughs> Why me? Both times, alcohol was not involved. Don't know what's going on. I was- thought today we'd talk about fundraising. There's a reason for that. It's because a few things have been going around social media recently about clubs wanting to raise a bit of money for kit, for tours, for medikits, all that kind of stuff. Is that where we're at in the world? We're in the middle of a pandemic and we're having to fundraise to get medikits. That is serious. Yeah, but if you've got a team gingerbread, the Medicare only lasts one match, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, I suppose. Never thought about that. You're taking somebody that's basically mummified home after each match. So people are doing all kinds of things. And a team that we're quite familiar with, Carlisle Cougars, have just done a naked calendar to raise a bit of money. So uh, that's one of the options that's been floating around. I'm not sure it's right for our squad, if I'm honest, but, you know, each to their own. Do you want to divulge? Why would it not be right for our club? What are you saying? 
<laughs> so I, could, I think because I could hide behind my yellow cards. I'd only need three. You could do that. Just just one more to go, and I'm done. <laughs> like fig leaves with yellow cards. That would be an interesting look, definitely. I think because some teams have photographers in the squad and they have really nice facilities and things so that the pictures look look really nice. If you had our lot in the nip in front of Ted's shed with that horrible container in the background that's only partially painted. That rustic edge to it, like proper grassroots. Could give it the crew edge and could take everybody to the partly demolished crew bus station, couldn't we? <laughs> with a couple of tackle shields. Yeah. And some yellow cards. Good, good call. What month would you be then, Sherry, that, for that one, do you reckon? I think it'd have to go January. I like a bit of frost on the ground. Might be a bit cold, though. I could wear three bubble hats. Why do you need three bubble hats? One on each boob and one on my head, obviously. <laughs> and I'll make myself a loincloth out of yellow cards. Once the naked calendar's been done, it's been done. We have to think of somewhere else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that was my thought, really. Whilst I admire teams for doing it. It's been it, done. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's great. been done it's... loads. I'm not sure what a new option would be. Because it's never really fully naked, though, is it? It's always like protecting people's modesty with bits of rugby equipment. Can you where... imagine? Can you imagine our squad full naked? I try not to think about it, if I'm perfectly honest. In front of Ted's shed. It's not the best backdrop, is it? 2 p.m. on Monday afternoon, just when the Women's Legion are rocking up at the Vagrants. It's just not going to end well, is it, really? That's definitely going to end with somebody getting arrested. <laughs> no, definitely. Also, you've got to think of the crops to use as well, because Carlisle were quite clever and they used... I think there was one picture where they were in some kind of meadow, so they were using flower heads to cover up Jesus, how big were the flowers? We're not talking daisies and buttercups now, are we? It was more sunflowers. Oh, right, I think. okay. Yeah. That's all right then. And a whole privet hedge. <laughs> I'm not sure that was the hedge. <laughs> we'll put it to the squad and see what they come back with. We've done the whole raffle thing before. Remember that? Remember Rafflegate? I remember the raffle causing a bit of an issue at the club from memory show. A bit of an issue. I ended up in a bar fight. So what happened? I wasn't there that much. I remember somebody telling me about it through tears of laughter. Somebody had the audacity to tell me we weren't doing a raffle because they did a raffle on a Saturday. It was a day where we had a game on a Saturday. That one time and we had a lunch as well, remember? We got to play on a Saturday. What was the reason? Was it, oh, I know, it would have been Isle of Man, wouldn't it? Was it? Was it near to Christmas Social? We got to do it on a Saturday and the raffles clashed and it all kicked off. Yeah, big Because we decided to go all out. So... The normal raffle is a bottle, isn't it? Yeah. Everybody buys a ticket. Yeah. And what does it raise money for, Lou? The Where men's does that team. money go? <laughs> yeah, for the men's team. That's not entirely um, true now, is it? It raises money for the club. It's very much a sort of traditional thing, isn't it, where they raffle off a bottle of gin or a bottle of whiskey or something. Yeah, but we upped the raffle game, didn't we? We had everything. We had spa days. We had giant cakes, loads of bottles. We went all out. It was full-on tombola. We were talking a five and a zero over here. It was full-on. I remember there being just a table full of prizes. We were not going it's to like be beaten Dickinson's on the real deal. Raffle. It didn't end very well. The bottle raffle's only a quid, isn't it? So what were you charging for tickets? Well, it was the same, wasn't it? It's just that the prizes were better. So it became... The people were saying... I'll have one of those tickets, please. Not one of those. And so, yeah, it all went off. But not everybody wants a bottle of whiskey. There's some kids mm. in there. They can't drink whiskey. Well, some of them well, do. <laughs> Obviously, purely medicinal. Mixed in with Sudafed by the sound of it. <laughs> yeah. Calpol oh, whiskey. God, don't even get me started on that. Luckily, Regan's lived to tell the tale. In fact, I remember, Sherry, you were very, very good at the bag pack. Oh, yeah. We went to Morrison's that time. I'm an experienced shopper. One, everybody knows me. Everybody, every customer, every member of staff. I am, Cher says. I need a T-shirt with that on, really. It's better than that other T-shirt you're wearing with the cucumber on it. Busier than a cucumber in a women's prison. That's the one. <laughs> I'm not sure that would help you out much in Morrison's on a Saturday afternoon. 
Yeah, I can't wear that in Morrison's. Oh, my God. I've got the other one. I used to be a hooker. I wear that one in Morrison's quite often. Obviously, at Christmas time, you wear the Christmas pudding boob one. Jingle balls. I've got my naked jumper. There's a thing, isn't there, with jingle boobs, isn't there? Reindeer boobs or something, where you cut a hole, one hole in your jumper. And you paint it like Rudolph's nose, yeah. Weren't we goading each other one year to do that? Sherry, and yet neither of us did it. We tried to get sponsored by Dulux and they're having none of it. I approached the work. They were having none of it either. Well, gee, for some of them, it wouldn't be so much a reindeer. It'd be more some kind of elk, wouldn't it? <laughs> a moose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, yeah, the backpack was went down very well because, don't forget, I speed shot because everything I do, I do at speed because I'm always so busy. I'm used to doing a whole family shop for five people in about 18 minutes. Yeah, I know. I've so seen you a... in the supermarket a few times. And we can be mid-conversation and you've already walked off and you carry on your shopping. I'm like, oh, see you then, Cherry. I, pro- I probably saw them come out with the roll of 50% off stickers <laughs> and that to dash. That's probably what that was. It was a bargain to be had. Was it a bit like Dale Winton's supermarket dash? Yeah, just running around, throwing anything and everything into the trolley. Hoping somewhere in there there's some food. Yeah, we haven't done a backpack for ages. We need to get that sorted, do women's tea? Yeah, I wasn't very good at it, to be fair. Every time I asked if I could help somebody pack their bags, people would like grab their children close and say, oh, don't talk to strangers. Well, Stranger danger. Weird. So I got really offended with it after a while. I had to get my daughter involved so she could go and actually ask the little old dears politely. And I could get guys a bit of money Why from packing bags. Why don't you like my dad? Yeah, exactly. I see, what I found weird when we were doing the backpack is the kind of weird <laughs> shit people put in their shopping trolleys. Like food. Long stem broccoli and Yeah, but really weird combinations of food. I'm sure there was a guy that had something like like 15 cans of Spam, a load of bottles of cheap cider, and like a loaf of bread. He might have been having his friend over and do one of them platters. What, a Spam platter? Yeah. Next invitation to your house. It's a no from yeah. me, thanks, Jess. <laughs> Each to their own. We need to raise £1,000. What do you reckon we could do to get that kind of money in? So backpack, what's that, a few hundred quid? Definitely a backpack, yeah. Naked car wash. Naked? Or topless, topless car wash. <laughs> topless? In winter? <laughs> Got to be careful, though. You're not getting stuck to the cars if they're properly icy. It's like you lick an ice cube, and it would just stick. We'll have to just do a raffle like everybody else does. A raffle seems to be the way forward. Need to up the ante with the prizes, though. Like what? Bar break. Now, there you go, an oh. hour with Pim and Pam. That person will want their money back all day long. Just had a flashback to when my head went all the way round. <laughs> oh, the noise was like a breadstick being trotted on. <laughs> but maybe we should do that. Like, nominate somebody for a Pim and Pam session. Yeah, they'll probably enjoy and it. And then they'll be raised a certain amount of money. They have to go. We're going to have to do a barbecue or something like that. People want to eat. People like food. That's always a good way of raising money. Remember, we did a bake sale. That worked well. Went around the pitches selling hot pies and cakes and stuff. That was really good. I've still got about 100 weight of tinfoil pie trays after I had this cunning plan of having a production line of steak and ale pies. And of course, the cases arrived three days after the bake sale. So I had to like, improvise on the day and made sort of steak and ale wraps, basically. I think that we should get... You know, Have you ever been to Twickenham or somewhere where they've got those people going around with beer yeah. kegs on their backs yeah, yeah. yeah they've got like a squirty gun thing and just go around with that you're obsessed with this idea aren't you it's a great idea tell you what i got from the garden center this thing for putting weed killer yeah in. i've got a knapsack strayer but it's had a bit of weed killer in might have to give it a wash in the uh, put it through the dishwasher rinse, or something rinse it, swill it out yeah put some <laughs> vodka and vodka in it it's going to be passed by health and safety have you seen the changing rooms after a match? There's no health and safety going yeah, on in there. Sign a disclaimer before they have a drink, though. Drink at your own risk. We could get the girls dressed up in in something 
interesting. And then just go and do shots like they do in just nightclubs. Just dress up you know, as you pints. Yeah, <laughs> you can get a pint of Guinness outfit. I had one once. We all dress up as a different alcoholic drink, go around the pitch as giant drinks, selling normal-sized drinks. I love it. <laughs> Good plan. Yeah, I do. It's a great plan. Molly can I honestly don't, don't know why we haven't done this before. Molly <laughs> dress up as a steak pie. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably something to do with licensing laws. At the end of the day, everyone's getting fed and watered. They'll all be happy. Why would that impinge on licensing laws? It's a fundraiser. Mm, you still have to have a premises license or a special license to do that. I've got a cunning plan. We don't take money. People buy a raffle ticket and they give the raffle ticket in and that gets them a pie and a pint. You're Ooh. allowed to have a raffle. That's a great shout. So you pay for your raffle tickets and then don't get a drink. That might cause a bit of a riot. Well, it's a potluck pie. You don't know whether you're getting meat or veggie. You could have some trick pies. You have one full of tuna fish or could something. Be yeah, exactly. Could be vegan. Spam. Well, might be a spam castanet. A spam castanet. What the hell is a spam castanet? I can't go there. I work at a school. Just Googling. It's the same as a beef curtain. <laughs> Are you all right? Just dying. You're choking on Baraka. <laughs> I was just about to cough and then you made me laugh. <laughs> Spam castanet. What does Google say, Luke? I'm not sure and I can then... say this. Oh, God. Read it out as you found it. Spam castanets. Sagging vaginal lips. <laughs> See also beef pie. curtain. In a pie. <laughs> she sure knows how to play the spam castanet. So serving up spam castanets on a Saturday afternoon yeah, whilst that... dressed as a giant pint of Guinness. The potluck pie stand. But you don't <laughs> buy the pie, you buy the ticket. The ticket gets you the pie. So we're not breaking any rules because we're not selling pies. We're having a raffle. Grassroots News with Lou. I feel like Lou's news is what's happening in my life, not what's happening in the rugby world. But anyway, let me tell you what is happening in my life. I've made a massive life decision and I feel like I'm now saying it on the pod. I really am going to have to do it. Decided I'm going to come back to rugby. Yep. So I'm only about 20 weeks post-op from a... Oh, oh, Batty, you've excelled. <laughs> oh, my own fans. I thought that I didn't need to come back to rugby. I made that decision. Obviously, it was it was during COVID and there wasn't really much rugby happening. But now I've been watching, obviously, some of Crew and Switch games. The women's international matches on, the men's international matches are on. And I'm on the sidelines or at home watching it. And I'm like, I can't be at home or on the sidelines just watching rugby. It's just not for me. I told my physio last week <laughs> and uh, reassuringly said, well, you're going to have to pull your finger out a bit, aren't you, and uh, work a bit harder. So one has joined the gym and is now working furiously to try and get back onto the pitch, probably for next season. Excellent. I like the fact that you uh, had us at the same standard as the international games as well. So my rugby lose news is something I saw on Facebook and I just resonated with me quite heavily. The headline was, can't believe this is still happening. It says, we only have two decent rugby balls, but we have to share them with the men's team. We played away at Sale on Sunday, yesterday, 
We had no water bottles, no water bottle holders, no medikit, no physio, no cones. They've all been lost or disappeared or in someone's garage. And and that's kind of the funny side, really. We had to share all, all the stuff with Sale. But the serious part to that is that if you pay a membership to a rugby club, don't you think you should really feel entitled to the basic equipment like access to a scrum machine? balls, cones, tackle pads, all that sort of stuff. And that should just be there. Because otherwise, what are you paying your membership for other than some insurance and contributions to coaching and a bit of kit? And that got me on thinking further, as in not necessarily kit, but it comes down to even the little things like what pitches you're allowed to play on as women. Maybe this is just this club, but from looking at the comments on the original post... And this is quite a controversial thing for our club. I'm sure it is for others as well. When we get relegated to the very far pitch because, oh, we're not allowed on the first team pitch. No, because the men played there yesterday and the Colts have played there this morning. So you have to go on to the back pitch, which is about three miles away from the clubhouse. Yeah, that grinds my gears. I don't think it's just our club, though. And actually, I think it sounds really trivial, but we are moving with the times. We are getting better. And I think although we are still got a lot of work to do with some of the older generation on our club, I do think we are in a much better place than when we started. But just the fact that this team are having to share two rugby balls, well, it boils my piss, to be quite frank. I don't know what it is. Is it funding? Is it is it the people not thinking at the club that actually whatever the men's team have, the women's team have. And I don't think I'm trying to turn it into a men versus women thing because actually it could be just a case of the under 16 boys have got this, but the under, I don't know, 15 boys haven't got that or things like that because they're older. And I think it might stem from the fact that the first team of the club has always been seen as the headliner and then all the other teams, even in the male side, fall subsequent to that. So with the second team, they've had to concede games because they can't fill a team. And if the first team is short, then everyone gets pulled up from the second team to the first team and then they lose out. And I know that's how rugby works sometimes, but I think it's not necessarily female versus male. It's just who's the superior team within that club. The inside looking out, it's a lot to do with the coaching. So. In most clubs, kit, if you like, is is bought centrally. So they buy a load of gear. It's either divided up and given to the different teams or it lives in a particular place. What nearly always happens is one coach who's a bit more organised than the other coaches goes in and robs what they need for the season and protects it with their life, basically. And then you get disorganised coaches that aren't very good at availability and not very good at ordering kit and all this sort of stuff. So going back to your point about the first team always takes priority and if the second team's at home, or rather, yeah, is at home and the first team's away and the first team's short of players and the second team gets pulled up, that's nearly always because the coach is not organised. They're not able to manage their squad effectively. So to a few years ago, there was a situation where the second team manager managed his team very closely and basically stopped the first team, who at that time were very badly organised, from taking players. The squads were refusing to play first team. And as a result, the second team went on and won everything that year. Won the league, got promoted, did well in the cup and the rest of it. And the first team got relegated. 
And everyone's up in arms about it and saying, oh, you know, it's terrible. The first thing should take priority and it's ter- it reflects terribly on the club. And my attitude was actually no, it reflects badly on the first team manager. And when it comes to kit, if I wanted to kit for the ladies, I would go to the exec and say I need kit for the ladies. Never was that refused. They might say there is a kit budget. This is where the kit is. And what you had to do was find out who had it and go and get it. Somebody always had it. There was always somebody that was holding it. And it was either the first team coach, which was rare, actually, or it was just somebody that was a bit sneaky, that had a massive bag of it in the back of their car or was keeping it in their shed. Not I had for, for about a year some match balls, uninflated, sitting on my kitchen cupboard because we didn't need them. I was keeping them back for when we did. And that's how it was kind of working. Everything was kind of divvied up at the start of the season or people were given access to stuff. And I think what often happens when you hear stories about, oh, we haven't got any kit and the rest of it, somebody's got it somewhere unless the club is totally skin or they really are backward and i just feel like some clubs and ours not so much anymore the women's team just seems so in the minority sort of sidelined a bit yeah i know what you mean i know what you mean i think the point about pitches is very valid actually and i think let's be honest the total weight of a squad of 15 women plus the opposition is even with the very largest of teams, is going to be less than the men's first team. So when they talk about preserving the pitches and we've got a home game next week <laughs> and we want to make sure the pitch is in pristine condition, come on, give me a break. I don't I think it's really necessarily about the size of the team. I think it's the conditions. So if it's been peeing it down. And so I can understand that, yeah, we need to make sure that we're preserving the pitch so that everybody can use it. But I agree with Lou in relation to it never seems to be, okay, well, actually, this team will have it this week and then. And I will say, like, this season, I've been speaking to the other people that use the pitch, and we haven't really had an issue about that this season so far. So hopefully, I think it's kind of, as I said, moving in the right direction, where nobody's kind of said, oh, well, we're definitely having this and you're not having it. So hopefully things are improving. But I do know historically that is absolutely what has happened. It's only taken us, what, six years to get to this point. When I stand for for club president tomorrow night, we'll see. Go on then, Lou. I've come up with a tactic which has worked quite well in the past. I tend to say... Oh, such and such said we could play on this pitch. Let, and then I say, <laughs> right, let's put all the flags up, girls. And then when someone kicks off the day after, I go, oh, you meant that pitch. That tends yeah, to be my yeah, tactic. Yeah. I've yeah, only done it three yeah. times in the last three seasons. You can only pull it about once a season. And then by the time you do it again, they've forgotten you did it last year. It's very annoying, jokes aside, but as long as there's a grass pitch and they're not brushing water into the bins because it's waterlogged, <laughs> I'll play on it. I think training's a different kettle of fish. I'm, I'll train anywhere, do you know what I mean? But I think there is a lot of pride, especially for the first team or the women's team or the you know the Colts, etc. People buzz off playing on the first team pitch because it's just got that feel about it. And it's it some kudos feel different. that goes yeah. with it, for sure. Why don't you just... It's because this has always been a problem and will always be a problem, I'd imagine, until you know Lou's or Jody's firmly established as club chairman, which is only a matter of days, I would say. Possibly president, actually. What I would say is, why don't you just choose a pitch and, and nominate that the ladies' first team pitch and then just make it your first team pitch? There's never any, well, that's the first team pitch. Why not? That's just... the ladies' first team pitch. Don't know why you're playing There you go, it. exactly. And then you can start to think about actually branding it as a ladies' pitch rather than having a constant battle. We need to not start this kind of war. <laughs> it's, it's like uh, we keep trying to go for like the one club. Even now, I kind of see little things where it's like, oh, 
head coach and then it's like women's head coach it's like well no <laughs> if you're going to do that it should be men's head coach and women's head coach things have traveled a long way yes. over the last few years to be fair probably a lot of clubs have gone through this as well and clubs that are just starting women's teams there's still lots out there who are still just starting women's teams they'll they'll still be going through it they will do rugby clubs are traditionally just for men there's lots of hurdles to work through but yeah you just got to keep pushing trying to be diplomatic which is probably why I've not been too involved in these sorts of discussions with the actual rugby club I have an idea why don't we sabotage next time they're painting the lines on the first team pitch sabotage it by putting pink paint into it (laughs) mark our territory or just paint a massive dick on the pitch you know the Amesbury crap that you've made up? This is, again, something that we need to rein in. Wait, Molly, what are you talking about? Good evidence that's true. Rein it in. Let's move oh. on. This is Molly's Grassroots Salutes. So, my grassroots salute goes to Swanley Rugby Ladies. Now, they call themselves the Black Swans. Now, not only did one of their players send, like, an avid fan email, but after stalking them out on Instagram, their game day announcement of their team is basically the same as the internationals. So, you know where the players picture comes up and then they slot into the position on the pitch it's just amazing like I can't obviously it's not a visual pod but I would get everyone to look at it it's just fantastic so they have the pitch they have the silhouettes of the players and then each position comes up with their face and uh, their name and it's just fantastic that sounds really amazing it sounds proper professional we can't even bring water carriers (laughs) I know it's not very grassroots though I would have to say that to Emily who is Emily underscore loves underscore gin, which is right up my street. I like um, her already. Exactly. And then they've also got their player profiles with the nickname, a sensible picture, a not so sensible picture. And then they've also got when they started playing rugby, what they love, what they loathe. And then they've got a little quote on. I think their social media is out of this world. So I'll definitely share it to the Instagram story. But honestly, their match day thing is amazing. Well, that sounds like the up-to-date equivalent of when we had our squad top trumps. Yeah, exactly. They've gone above and beyond our top trump cards, Lou. They were on TV. They were on BT Sport, weren't they, our top trumps cards? Were they? Yeah, they, yeah, 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 they did. Made on TV. They did. I was in a wheelchair. You were in a wheelchair. Did Jeff the ref beat me on speed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They did cause a, a lot of amusement, but from some of the more, let's say, sensitive players, I did have some rather frustrating emails about why Sensei got better bants than me. Because you're boring, Susan. Yeah. This fucking email is why you've, they've got yeah. better bants than yeah, you. Exactly, yeah, it was. So I deducted people points just because they were annoying me and complaining. What started off as a bit of fun ended up being a pain in the ass. Everyone's too sensitive. This is exactly why we can't do a naked calendar. But before we obviously finish my grassroots salute, Emily, our Keen Bean supporter, sent us an email and said, one, she's got a fallen teammate. And then the other thing is, she said they're really struggling to find tour options that's not a rave but is equally not going and doing the knitting. And then we're talking about opportunities for women's tours. Is it a bit niche at the moment for us? That's an interesting question. I reckon we'll do a whole episode on this, but 
What are the main components that you'd want on a tour? Not the weather like the Isle of Man. Shower facilities. Judy said shower facilities. Emily's little team want a hotel, not a camping, which I'm totally with because uh, I'm not down for camping. <laughs> I love Don't camping. diss Emily. She's our number I'm not one fan. You. I'm dissing you. I hate camping. Everything is just moist. It's just not. Wow. <laughs> you know, when you wake up in the morning and it's like the condensation's on the top of the tent, that's the only bit I don't like. And then when I was younger, I went camping and there was a flood. You wake up in the morning and you're moist. No, no, <laughs> the tent, Louise. And then you go outside your tent and you put your feet into your shoes and then. They're wet. It's just not very, I don't know, it's very rugby tour. You know, I agree that that would probably be more rugby than staying in a hotel. But if I had the option, what would I do? You only have to play a match on the pitch. You don't have to sleep in it. Yeah. I'm so down with the hotel option. Yeah, exactly. See, Dubs, it's not just me. Yeah, I'm just remembering when we played in the, uh, was it Isle of Wight? Isle of Man. And everything was so wet and we were dragging the kit bags into our hotel rooms and there was like leaving a trail of water along the hotel floor. <laughs> Can you imagine the inside of mine and Molly's wardrobe when we stashed the kit in it overnight? Uh, it's a wonder we got moist. the deposit. Yeah. Ugh. Well, we scarpered um, off the country before they had a chance to charge us. It's fine. But yeah, can we do a whole episode on tours? Because I really want to give Emily some options. That's a good shout. I reckon we bring Kim in for uh, our tour champion. I would say definitely tour somewhere where it's quite small. Anywhere that's fairly small is a good tour option because you don't have a situation where nobody can drive, for example. You know, you have to walk miles and miles to go somewhere or people can get lost who are not normally seen outside of the village they live in or whatever. I would say go somewhere little, go somewhere like the Isle of Wight, where I'm from, great tour venue. That's a good spot. Do they have a rugby team, a women's rugby yeah, team? Yeah, they do. Yeah. I bet they don't. They do, yeah. do they? In the Isle of Wight? Yeah. They've got web yeah. feet. They've got web feet. No, they fucking haven't. <laughs> They're of superior intelligence in every way. All right, yeah. Can we ask the Isle of Wight women's team to get in touch, please, and uh, potentially picture us a tour? Don't include my webbed feet comment, thanks. Yeah, revoke <laughs> that. Yeah, they'll be targeting you, Lou. They're like, ah, oh, we, know, we know she's got injured parts. Lou, <laughs> no, my name's Laura. Slapping you with the fins. That's Lou. Yeah. Let's do an episode on that. Let's kind of reach out and see what kind of tour venues people recommend. But I would say anywhere that's like London or Birmingham or the middle of nowhere is bad. Whereas anywhere fairly small with those are good ways of getting about is good. Lots of pubs within walking distance from each other. There's quite a lot on at the moment on the Women's Rugby Network of people going, oh, we're looking for a tour for next year. People are super organised. Kim's on the case. Yeah, Jodie's not. I was half an hour early today. Because you got the wrong time. Stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref, stupid ref. So it was a game back in uni, and um, this old man turned up, and we assumed was somebody's granddad. We ripped off his joggers, and he was our ref, and we thought, all right. Got easily, easily 75, 80. About halfway through the second half, he just hits the deck. And I can genuinely say that we all thought he had a heart attack, but he hadn't. He tripped over his own shoes. But when I say that for 22 girls, had never stopped so suddenly to try and save this man who had a heart attack. But thank- thankfully, uh, I don't know if he's still with us now, but he did survive the game. So as a trained medic, did you try to administer CPR? I mean, we were just shocked, to be honest. We all kind of huddled around him. Once we saw he was breathing, we were OK. But yeah, there was four physios and two medics in the team. We were ready to jump on him if needed. <laughs> What he basically says, you went through his pockets looking for loose change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Student. He's being hunted down by a pack of three. 
running towards the touchline, shuffled into the touch. Not entirely sure. This is Fantasy 15. So Fantasy 15, right, so to wrap it up, this is like an important moment where we finally box off our Fantasy 15 team. So we've got four more people to pick, one of whom's the referee, one's the coach, and then we've got two linesmen just to finish it off. So I think we go first and foremost with coach, right? I was trying to think of a good category for this. I just thought, no, let's just think of like really intelligent women, people who are really clever, because that's what coaches should be. Jodie Hines. Jodie Hines would not make a very good coach. <laughs> What about Michelle Obama? She's a role model for women. She's an advocate for all sorts of things like education, nutrition, activity, healthy eating. Also considered as a fashion icon. She is a very smart woman. I go for Michelle Obama. Mm, good shout. Yeah, back you on that one. Also, for the more, more mature listener, I would go for Carol Vorderman because she's well brainy. And she knows her rugby mm. as well. And she looks well young for 60. Well, does she? She's uh, 60. <laughs> yeah. She may have a, a touch of work done. I've met her. Have you? Yeah, Jodie, is she on your list? No, she is not. Out of the um, age range. She came into the services. Oh, yeah, out of the age range, because I love them young, don't I? That's what I go for. <laughs> the young ones, sure. Yeah, she came into the services when I was working at Sandbach Services, and she got sweet and sour chicken and complained that she just on a car. I yeah, claim to fame. Mm. Nice idea. I was going to go with Mary Beard. Who? Oh, for God's sake. Who? You must know who Mary Beard is, being in academia. I'm going to have to Google. Stand by. Uh, sorry, I'm far too young to know who on earth you're talking about. Who is she? Like, fuck you are. That oh, my God. Mary an Beard. English scholar of ancient Roman civilization. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember her, do you, Matt? Good mate to her. Matt, she's a Dame Winifred, Mary Beard. She so is. her first name's Winifred. Wowza. She's a dame, nonetheless. No offence, Mary Berry, or whatever your name is. Mary Berry. I, I don't... That's what came up when I searched for it. I don't think she's for me. She's 66, for fuck's sake. She's dead. She's dead, isn't she? No. She's from Shrewsbury. That's quite local. From much when... Did someone just say she was from Roman times? Not from Roman times. She studies Roman times. Right, Matt vetoed that that's well, a shit well, you know you work in academia you must know some really intelligent women she's, i do she's a good coach go on well before i talk about that so obviously when you sent out the uh, email saying what we were going to discuss i was like yeah actually let's google some intelligent women let's see see who might choose from and just going back to the point we made earlier so the google search comes up as what is an intelligent woman um <laughs> do men like intelligent women <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Honestly. And then all this thing is how to date intelligent women. Do men want to date intelligent women? <laughs> I was like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I know I don't think they'll be particularly good at coaching. There's one woman that I really like called Angela, I think it's Sani, Sani. She's like written a couple of books called Inferior and Superior. And she talks all about like the return of race science and stuff like that. So she's very, very clever. And she's a really good kind of public speaker. But I'm not sure she's necessarily what we're looking for in a coach. But I am a big fan of Michelle Obama. So uh, I've got her autobiography. So I think I'd probably vote for her as well. Yeah, she's a good shout. To be honest, Matt, I've Googled names of intelligent women and apparently, would you believe it, this is the, uh, the top 10. So top 10 names for female geniuses, Mary, Elizabeth, Maria, Anne, Margaret, number six, my firm fave, Susan. No. 
Yeah. How the fuck has Susan made that list above Molly and Louise? Someone needs to write into this survey. But no, I'm with Michelle Obama. I think we've sold it. The one time I do some research into Fantasy 15. (laughs) Get a pick. Well done. Pays off. So referee, I thought female TV presenters, not stars, but presenters, you know, newsreaders, that kind of thing. Kirstie Geller's fit, isn't she? She'll, yes, uh, she's fit. I, I don't mean fit as inattractive. I meant physically fit. <laughs> she's on Josh's list. She's on my list as I well. She. Yeah, she's number one on Josh's list. I have told her that she's a bit old. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She is for Josh. He's like 17. They are a Can bit you old. find someone your own age, Molly? Nah, I gave up. God, she is fit, isn't she? She's got proper abs and everything. So Kirsty Gallagher. The one who's in Taskmaster currently, which does only connect. Oh, Victoria. Victoria Cohen. Yeah. Victoria oh, Cohen, Cora Mitchell. Yeah. Cora Mitchell. She's yeah. very clever. Yes. Well, I thought you were going to say Lisa Tarbuck. Is she not in <laughs> Taskmaster? <laughs> I tell you who else would be quite cool. Stacey Dooley. Yes, I, like I Stacey love Dooley. Stacey Dooley. Oh, she'd do your head in, though, wouldn't she? Yeah, refs do do people's head in. She could dance across the pitch as well. She could make that yellow card look so glamorous with a tango. Oh, I reckon Jodie might like... Is it Anna Richardson that does the... Um... Oh, yes, please. We've already got her. She's probably on the list. Oh, no, have we got her? Can't ref and play second row uh... as well. I don't know. A lot of second row think they can ref. Right, so who's the ref then? Stacey Dooley. Yeah, I reckon she's be good. I've got a lineswoman. I was going to go Gabby Logan. Oh, yeah, yeah good shout. Nice she shout. loves rugby. She She's married rugby. to Kenny Logan. Yeah. Like, I reckon she'd basically kick some ass if there was a bit of a brawl on the sideline. So, if you're the home side, so if we wanted someone to run line for us, I'm going Claudia Winkleman because she probably would give the advantage to us because she wants to be able to see an awful lot because of her fringe. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> and I love Claudia Winkleman. I have an idea that might have to be cut from the podcast, though. I don't think we've had her, but with things we didn't mention, she just loves lines. Well, like Rose West. She loves lines. It's only Winehouse. <laughs> Myra Hindley. Yeah. <laughs> she loves lines. I'm sure. Right, we've had we've had Amy Winehouse on the first one, and I got told no because she was dead. Yeah, but I am Princess Diana, and she's dead. Oh, you can't diss Lady Di though. <laughs> I've got Boudicca as well. I think she's long gone <laughs> off. That's because we had Matt's shit history lesson on one episode, and then we had to say, "Sorry, Matt, you're not allowed to think of the topics anymore." And then he came back to a dame of classics as his uh... <laughs> yeah, bloody Winifred or whatever her name is. <laughs> Winnie Beard. Leave her alone. I like Mary Beard. So you want Amy Winehouse because she likes lights. (laughs) (laughs) That's justification goes, Jodie. So she's dead. When she was alive, she wasn't going to be concentrating very much on where the ball went out, is she? Let's be honest. She'd be fucking energetic though, wouldn't she? For half the match, the rest of the match, she'd be lying rocking in a ball somewhere. (laughs) Licking the clubhouse windows. I like your thinking, but so who are we going to go with? So, referee, we went with Stacey Dooley. Stacey Dooley, right? Coach is is Michelle Obama. Linos, we had Kirsty Gallagher and the one with the fringe, Claudia Winklebaum. Or who was the other potential one? Gabby Logan. I think we go with Gabby Logan because she'd work well with the other one, wouldn't she? Well, we could have Claudia as the water technician. Yes. We might not get any water (laughs) if she falls over a fringe. Who's the TMO though? Yeah, who's the TMA? Anne Robinson. Fuck me. Anne Robinson. She... Nothing gets past yeah. her. Brilliant. She'd be like pretty savage too. If the referee said, try yes or no, she'd be like, well, of course it's a try, you idiot. 
That's true, it'd be very quick. Yeah, it would be very quick. But then she probably wouldn't award tries for people she didn't like the look of, would she? She'd be like, no try because she needs to lose a few pounds. Well, hopefully that'd be the opposition, so winner. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think Michelle would rein her in anyway. So that box is off, Fantasy 15. Here are the teams who opened a massive can of whoopass on themselves in the league recently. Sefton Ladies, nil. West Park Leeds Ladies, 66. Birkenhead Park Ladies, 60. Eccles Ladies, nil. Shelford Ladies, 73. Rugby Lionesses Ladies, 10. Ipswich Ladies, 68. Haverhill and District Ladies, 10. The grassroots spanking of the week goes to... Ten Mouth Ladies, who got their pants pulled down by the Boot Ladies, 94. Points to nil. Grassroots spanking of the week goes to... Bendelville. Tenmouth ladies who had their pants pulled down by Bude ladies. 94 points to nil. So, Jodie. Yes? We missed out the Reading and Amesbury feud last time because we ran out of time a little bit, but also... Sometimes you just need to let sleeping dogs lie. But I believe there's been an update since last time. My phone's just died, so I can't read out that message that we got. Okay, I've been sworn to secrecy on this. This is deadly serious. We received uh, an anonymous message from a team that is in the same league as Reading and Amesbury. Or maybe they were not in the same league. You know, we don't want to give too much away. But essentially, the message went along the lines of, enjoy listening to the pods. Particularly enjoyed the section around Reading and Amesbury and the feud that's been happening there. I just wanted to say that everything you said is true. We have had a number of difficult incidents when playing those teams. Amesbury in particular are extremely dirty to play against. So, so yeah, so that's a true message from a player who will remain anonymous from a team based in the same league as Reading and Amesbury. Jodie, is there anything more to add to the story? Yes, I have received an email from a lady who has recently moved to... Reading. So she's just said, loving the podcast so far, I would like to say something about the current feud between ourselves and Amesbury. I would like to stay anonymous for obvious reasons. Please, I would like to let you know how there has been an issue between us both for some time now. I have only started playing this season, so I haven't gotten to the details of how it started, but I can confirm that having played against them a couple of weeks ago, and I understand why we currently have this long-term problem with them, I recently moved from Wokingham and we had an issue with them there as well. And that's my lady called Karen. It's brewing. We don't seem to get in any of the details of how this yeah, all started. Yeah, this, this, is, this is the piece that's missing still, isn't it? So it's definitely along similar lines to the fishing trip in uh, Gavin and Stacey, as we said before. But everyone's skirting around the actual subject, isn't it? So I think if anybody's out there listening and has any ideas or wants to put any theories as to why this feud has happened, then please get in touch and we'll be interested to see where it goes. Takes one to the face. Catches first, preferably, and then the drive. Ooh, full in the face. Look at this. Very definition of taking one for the team. Oh, my God. That is extraordinary. But the kick lands on the head, and offside is accidental. This is Every Team's Got One. Every team's got one. We said Insta ready for tonight, didn't we? That made me think about one of the first matches I played for Crew and Nantwich. I just remember 
we were running with purpose out of the changing rooms, I think at Didsbury. I didn't really know many of the girls at that stage. Uh, one of them said to another, oh, are my eyebrows still on? I didn't say anything. Well, he did an eyebrow raise. And I went, fucking hell, it's hair. Of course your eyebrows are still on. The, the eyebrow thing is definitely an Insta-ready rugby thing, I think. Not for me, particularly interesting funny i remember when i first started getting involved with ladies and i used to take all of the photographs of uh, of the club and stuff and particularly for the men's section and i remember doing some photos for one of the games and i remember after the game spending quite a lot of time editing them making them look nice and the rest of it i put them online expecting like i would do with the men's section to have a flurry of oh great pics matt loads of likes loads of oh you know just shares and the rest of it instead i got loads of messages saying can you take that picture down please i look really ugly in it and oh that's a horrible photo of me and i was like okay this is just what rugby players look like but in amongst all of the gurning faces and and all the rest of it there was one or two players that looked as if they knew the camera was looking at them and they were able to at that exact moment pull out the the blue steel face yeah that doesn't happen to me (laughs) (laughs) it always surprises me when you're playing against somebody and they've got like false eyelashes on i'm like really i can barely keep my uh skin on me let alone bloody a set of false eyelashes that'd be a challenge for me i'd want to rip them off yeah i think rugby photos never catch my best side not gonna lie when i'm playing however no they don't uh, molly so sorry no it's fine i'm okay with it because i'd rather have an action shot but yeah some people apply fake tan before they play they put the eyebrows on the waterproof mascaras out and you know the hair plaiting totally get it because you want to be able to see when you're playing but there's always one person that comes off the rugby pitch and they look like they're ready for a night out and I'm not sure what they've been doing during the game to still look in uh, that good of Nick well fuck all probably what's interesting to me right so yeah there's a couple of players that spring to mind when, when you talk about that there are games where the elements are extreme or they get tackled in a particular way and end up literally face first in the mud. What happens then? You know, they're absolutely insta-ready, like they're about to go out after the game, and then they get absolutely caked from head to toe in mud. I mean, how do they react to that? There's no insta-post that night. <laughs> <laughs> Two shower Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I'll share it on, the, um, on Twitter and on Facebook, but there's a classic photo that was uh, circulating the other day that I thought was one of the best photos of grassroots rugby that i've ever seen it was essentially it was a picture of the back of a pair of shorts it was a props pair of shorts and the uh, the flanker had had so much makeup on that an exact imprint of their face was outlined on the back side of the prop shorts it looked like this ghostly apparition in in white makeup that had appeared on the back of the shorts. you can make out the eyes the nose the face and it looked really kind of creepy but also so funny that was a good example of why perhaps don't need to put quite such makeup on the pitch to play rugby at the end of the day we're playing rugby we're not on a fashion shoot as most of us actually prove when we're mid-match and we have a photo taken and it looks like we're sort of gurning a bit in pain, catching a fly with our mouths. <laughs> you know? So every team's got an Insta-ready player. Yeah, let's send the photos in to Instagram and let's get a little uh, yeah. collage of our Insta-ready uh, friends. Definitely. There's plenty out there, I'm sure. Or could we do the opposite? Yes, that would be better. <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> fair, good shout. Insta. The real pictures. Yeah. I mean, come on, the worst, the best. I mean, my God, there's some horrific ones out there of you, Molly. Yep. 
I'm embracing it. I will. I, I'm fine with it. Bring them on. And then when you come back, Reed, I'll take yours and excel. I'd be happy because I, I tell you what, I'd be just happy to be back on the pitch. Aww. I'll do some extra gurning. Let's find some of Matt as well while we're at it, gals. But, oh, well, that shouldn't be hard. Digital cameras weren't invented last time I played rugby. <laughs> It's this still in boots. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, still, yeah. <laughs> I, I lost a little yeah. slip of paper. I've been able to pick them up for 15 years. <laughs> yeah, they just came back with the stickers on them. Not yeah. suitable for development. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> back in your box. <laughs> I don't get any of those references. Uh, I'll piss off. <laughs> all right, millennial. Thanks so much for listening to Grassroots, a podcast by players for players. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on CastBox and give us a comment. If you would like your team featured, please get in touch. A brilliant finish! This was Grassroots, women's rugby on the roots up.